0: Welcome to the Digital Masters Growth Marketing Podcast for professional service providers, agencies, and consultants. We're going to be talking innovative strategy, tactics, and the tech tools that marketers are using in the trenches today. Made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's get into it. How's it going, Michael?
1: Hey, good. How you doing, Steven?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's really great to have you on the show today. uh, I've kind of looked at most of my podcasts. I always start by Talking about how I keep meeting cool people on LinkedIn. <laughs> and uh, and you're definitely one of them. And so I'm always, I'm always telling people, man, you're not using LinkedIn uh to the the way you could be, because I I know a lot of people, they do a little bit of outreach. They don't really like they don't really connect with anybody. But like I was doing a bunch of outreach, a lot of the stuff goes nowhere, and then me and you get on the call and all of a sudden I'm just kind of like blown away. You've got all this really cool information. You've started three businesses. Um, well, you've, you've started more than that, like, but you have three right now, um, and you've grown them all pretty substantially. So man, I appreciate you being here. This is, this is going to be a cool talk.
1: Yeah. let's be fun.
0: Yeah. So, so you have these three businesses. I want to talk a little bit about more of those little, a little bit later, like the story behind them, but, um, you run reconciled you. Um, and you also, I know you also kind of, you, you help, build a uh, professional service firms, other people's firms. Yeah. So I was kind of hoping to kind of dig in, in the beginning here is, is talk a little bit about like, how how do you go about thinking about building like a modern professional services firm? And, and specifically, if you want to talk more on the accounting side, um, you, you know, of course, but like, I feel like they all have a lot of similarities. So I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you start to think about like building a modern professional service firm?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, and I, I don't know if I have all the answers. I think I'm figuring out on the way as well, like everybody else that's doing this. Uh, but building a modern professional services firm today, whether, whether it's an accounting, HR, IT, marketing, whatever, I think it has a few components that are similar. Uh, one, of, one of them is is that the firm is branded. Um, so there's some you know branding, intentional branding that's happening that's generally not tied to the principal or owner's name. So you're not focused on um, the, the trying to build the name or the reputation of the last name of that person. And I think that was a, a generation or so ago, that was what people used to do. Um, So if I were starting a business, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe I would call it Michael Lee accounting or Lee and associates or, and you still see this, see that happen for some reason, uh, but I think that the hard part or challenging part about that is that that is in an age where your focus is was was building on the expertise of that individual, and I think in build, in building a, a modern professional services firm, your actual focus is on building on the processes and the trust that all the people involved um, in the firm. Uh, put together so it's not just relying on you it's also relying on the team you're building um, and the people you're building and the actual processes and and infrastructure you're putting together Um, so a modern firm also is scalable generally and is able to work with um, work with customers conceivably unlimited unlimited number of customers that fits target profile but also Work with an unlimited number of uh, team members as it continues to grow. So, you think of a, a scaling modern service firm. And then, probably thirdly, is a modern service firm is not reliant on location to be able to, to serve. So, it, it can both provide its services uh, online or remotely um, without being physically located in the same spaces as customers, as well as it can, uh, the, the service firm can leverage a team of people. To provide services to customers remotely, and so I've had the fortune of building Reconciled that way, and actually all of my professional services companies that I I have um, I've been able to to build them in that way, and 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 had the fortune of of figuring out how to continue to do that as they both as they all grow.
0: So. Yeah, that's cool, and um, it's I think what's what's one thing about the things you're talking about that's interesting about the professional service is like the realm in general is that it tends to be like it's just like out of all of the different types of businesses, it, it's, it's the, there's such a wide range between companies that have this kind of more modern approach and, and companies that are just really old school. And yeah. even uh, you even see a lot of new ones popping up that are still kind of very old school. Um, uh, so I, I do find that interesting. Cause like a lot of startups, it's like, it. I think the culture just like is different. Like it, they tend to understand brand better and content. And like, I mean, if you're building a tech firm or not a tech firm, but like a, like a tech startup, it's like, you're always trying to make it scalable. So like, I think a lot of these ideas are just like more ingrained. Um, but like in terms of brand, that is an interesting question because so like in the beginning when, like, unless you have a lot of capital where you just hire a bunch of people to start, like it is just one person. Um, so, Like, how do you, how do you help someone navigate that? Because it's like professional services are still, there is a lot of trust involved, especially depending on what you're doing, like, especially in like financial services. Like if you're a financial advisor specifically, it's like someone's trusting you with their whole, like (laughs) with their entire life. So trust is a big part of it. How do you, how do you help someone think that through as they, they are an individual and then they want to start to get in, they want to build the brand of the company itself.
1: Yeah. I, I think that, um. Much like an individual, you know, as an individual going into the market, providing the service or expertise they have, they're trying to get people to trust them. Well, you need to begin in the very beginning building trust in the brand that you're building. So, you know, uh, why did for you know why, for example, uh, do people trust um, ordering off of Amazon? Uh, it's not like when Amazon came out on its first day amazon.com selling books that all of a sudden people just trusted that they would get their book order from amazon you know when it came out at, when when amazon launched it, when it did early on um jeff bezos was was relying on the fact that there was this unique thing called the internet that people were trying out and willing to take a risk on and had a product that people regularly bought you know there wasn't ebooks at the time and and it was pretty low risk right you 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 spend 5 10 20 bucks if the experience isn't that great that's okay you can leave a bad review and leave and not have to shop there anymore but at some point you know amazon kept going at it and it built enough brand loyalty or brand trust where if you order something off amazon you trust you will receive it or you trust that the return process or the process of of Getting that item recovered will happen, right? And Amazon will fulfill that. Same thing with you—you you name it, right? Uh, you name it, where somebody starts off with a brand that has no no trust in it yet, like Airbnb, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden people start building trust in it because they're using it and they're experiencing it with it. So I think with with a professional services person, if your cell always is you, if the cell is I'm going to, for example, sell Michael Lee all the time and my expertise and my skill set. And I emphasize that in my sales process. I emphasize that on the calls. I emphasize that on with my customers. Like, every time you have a problem, you call me. Every time there's an issue, you call me. Well, as I start building my team, since I've, I've spent so much time and effort focusing on trust in Michael instead of trust in Reconciled or whatever brand it is that you're building, then your customer won't default to okay well i bought into this brand that i trust now what's the updated process who are the parties in which i access that 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 um you know the brand and access the services the brand provides uh so i think that's that's the way to to think about it you know if if you ever had a good experience with um let's say customer service anywhere um and, and you're, you feel like there's a consistency to that customer service experience, then you generally don't know or care who the person behind the line is. You don't really care who their name are because you know that if you call, you're going to get that great customer service. Anyway, Zappos has become known for that, right? And it uh, doesn't really matter who you get on the Zappos number or online, whatever experience you're going to get, you, you accredit Zappos, the company, for that because of the processes they built, the training they built, the culture they built. And that's what you're trying to do. So you want to start with the end in mind that you're trying to get customers to buy into, not you, you're a part of it, but you want them to buy into the next person you bring on, the next person you bring on. And so, and really the brand, trusting that the brand itself is taking care of the whole process and the whole service. So are
0: you intentionally like using um, specific language when you talk to people, when you you put it on your website, like, are you, yeah. Yeah yeah, I think I think you, when you talk about what you're
1: trying to build, like I remember initially when I started reconciled, um it was called reconciled at the time. I let people know, hey, i I've, I've launched this online bookkeeping service and I've hired my own team. You call them team. I had one bookkeeper. right? It's not like I had fifty people. I had one right. bookkeeper, one accounting professional, but you say I hired a team, and uh, you can talk about that team, you know if you want. But as you sign customers on, you add more team members and you talk about your team. And and so, I think you got you got to be very intentional talking about we talking about uh, the team, even when in the beginning. And it feels kind of weird because you're selling yourself at the time, but you're projecting to the customer. I'm building this, and you're 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 buying into this. I don't want you to buy into I'm working with Michael for the rest of my life. I want you to buy. Right. into I'm working with this thing I'm building, this company I'm building. And that's really what's important.
0: Yeah, that that even like kind of like touches on what I'm doing too. Is like. I'm already working with people. Um, I could be doing a better job. at kind of just, I mean, I I do talk a lot about the processes and stuff that I'm helping people like employ. Um, but I could be doing like, I'm I'm working with the video editor. I've got, you know, several different people. I could be talking to more about that support that that's behind me. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then in terms of like the scalability thing, so I know another firm that has done this really well. Um, so what, how do you end up creating the packages? Is that ultimately what it is? It's like you're creating packages that people can just, you know, it's just like buy this and then they they get enrolled in something. Is that how you achieve the scalable part of it? Like what, how do you? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it is the pricing or the business model in regards to how do you have a scalable business model that's very easy to package or productizing your services. So that's one way. The other way on scalability is do you have the, um, the hiring and onboarding process where you can bring on team members to service new customers? That's another thing. Do you have the sales and marketing process to bring on more customers um, and to, to, to find where they are and to sign them up? And then what is the ease of use or the ease of process for those customers to sign up? Is it a customized quote every single time? Is it a algorithm based calculation on your website? Is it a productized flat fee package, and they got three options? What is that? What does that look like? I think all of those things have to be figured out um, in regards to you know making making it scalable. Because you could figure out one of the components, but if you actually don't have multiple of the components, you might it might not work. So if you can't find team members, if you don't have a way to find them quickly to scale as fast as your sales process, well, you could get overwhelmed all of a sudden and then burn the reputation of your brand. If you sign up a lot of customers and then they all end up churning or quitting because you weren't even able to onboard them, so that's a big challenge as well.
0: Yeah. So when you're talking to a firm, do you do you have them thinking about these these various angles of scalability at the same time, or um, or do you or do you kind of have them do like do a little bit of this, then go do a little bit of this? Yeah. And do, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 you know, most firm owners, their identity are not they're not entrepreneurs. That's not their identity. Their identity is the service that they're providing. So I'm an accountant. I'm a marketer. I'm a salesperson. I'm an IT person, right? Even though they own, they literally own a small business, they literally own a, a firm, their identity is, is not that. So they're not thinking like that. They're thinking like, I'm going to create myself a job. And it, then my goal is to fill the job so that I have enough income that replaces my salary. The problem, if you think of that mentality, is when you get to that point where you filled yourself with enough work, where now you have a job that you own, but you still have a job. You don't have any more time to actually grow your business. Right. So I talk to firm owners about, well, let's change. Let's talk about your identity first. How do you view yourself, and what is your ultimate goals? Is your goal you just want a job? Is your goal that you want a lifestyle business and you want to grow a small team? Or is your goal to build a real business that has its own life, that has goals, that has team members that grow, and when you go pass away, or when you retire, um, or if you decide to sell it or leave it, it continues on its own. Um, I don't think people think that far ahead. You know, they right. most people are thinking, I need enough income to replace the job, the salary that I just left. That's that. And that's really a stop, and that's really I think a, a place that people get stuck you know
0: yeah yet. no i agree and you know what's interesting too is that sometimes it's not it, even the entrepreneurs get stuck in that same thing mm-hmm. like uh because it just always keeps growing it, it, but you know i have um since our last talk we were talking a lot of, about like the entrepreneurial mindset and the practitioner mindset um and after we talked i thought a lot more about it but what I, I since i've been talking to a lot of service professionals a lot of them really are entrepreneurs i i'm also running into the just practitioners as well. And there's no right or wrong. Um, but I have been running into more and more, you know, professionals that really want to do something big with their firm, or they want to be able to sell it or, you know, mm-hmm. these things. It's, so it's it's an interesting, um, interesting space. Um, and then in, in terms of the location thing, like, for me, I, I guess I almost don't know how to think about building like a more traditional business. But like, so, what is it when you when you're talking about like how to like how to think about location? Like, what what do what training do people need in terms of like being a virtual business?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great question because you think, oh, this this shouldn't be
0: an issue, right? For me, uh, it hasn't been because that's like, yeah. I, I've always lived that way.
1: Yeah, but for most people, you know, they they go find an office somewhere, they put up signage, and uh, they focus on word of mouth. Sales process or word of mouth marketing and referrals, and so where does that generally happen? It generally happens in your network. Well, where's your network? It's generally mostly in the within the one hour radius of where you are physically located, right. and and not meant not many people um, are actively trying to build their network in other places or other cities or just online, like you said, just using LinkedIn in and not caring about where people are based. You know, just reaching out to people. Getting to know people, engaging people. And that might be one of the reasons why you're engaging so many um, entrepreneurs who have firms because those are the people who tend to reply on LinkedIn.
0: That has been the most interesting thing. Is like yeah. when somebody replies back, I know it's going to be an interesting conversation for the yeah. most part. Yeah. I, I always, I'm always surprised. Like sometimes they're way more interesting than others, but man, it's like it, it works really well.
1: Yeah, and you be and yet yet you'd be surprised at how many service professionals are still not on LinkedIn or they're not active on it at all. They don't even have a premium account. They got nothing, right? So you don't even know. They don't even know you were sending them a message because they don't have the the level of LinkedIn to know that you got they got a message because they're too cheap to think about it, right? Or they're not engaging on like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not yeah. actually surprised and and I, yeah. I always want to make sure that I'm, I I never sound judgmental here, but no. I am a part of a normal um, networking group like a traditional one. And most people are not very active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, And like, even like the profiles are not optimized. Like they don't see that as kind of like the beginning of their sales page. And it always does blow me away a little bit, especially now, because when you think about, like when I go to this, the group and I I like the group a lot, it's really cool people. But the interesting thing about it is that now it's on uh, uh, Zoom Mm. and it's an hour and a half. And like (sighs) you see, like you see a zillion faces And everybody gets like 30 seconds to say something like you don't get to have that kind of like the dialogue, the water cooler stuff. And so all it really is, is like a a super mini social network.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a tiny tiny 30 second social network and then (laughs) you leave. And then for some reason that doesn't translate immediately to, Hey, I should be leveraging these other platforms, you know, more efficiently and more effectively. Um, but there is a mentality of local and, and some businesses are obviously would lend itself to local, like your local coffee shop, your local cafe, right. your local retail store. Those are, not you know, your local gas station is not going to leverage LinkedIn. Right. So I get that. But then there's a whole plethora of, of new, what I would call new economy firms, new economy uh, businesses that don't, I don't know why they're not letting you know, more leveraging it. And it's because, um, if you look in the grand scheme of business history, these tools are still fairly new um, in the grand scheme of of long, long business history. So, um, you know, yeah, that, I mean, like, interesting.
0: yeah, 75 percent of my current business is all from LinkedIn. Mm. And um, which I think is cool. And most of the people that are not kind of I already knew them and I've had a relationship with them and they like me and they're like, oh, I think I think you could do what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but he, I, the other thing too is like I think creating a relationship on like through a DM and then like like actually converting that person into a uh, a customer, I think that's one of the most fascinating processes. I I will say it's daunting at times because it can feel like a little bit of a grind. Like you're reaching sure. out to people and people aren't responding, and it's like man, like uh, but man, when you when you go through that whole process of no, they didn't even know you. You get on the call, you step through these processes, and then they they sign the deal. Like you learn so much right. that you would that you would never learn through a referral, right? Unless you were unless you were a really inquisitive person and you kind of like really backtrack to figure out why that person what that person said about you and how they came to you, because you develop all this language that you can then put into your marketing. Because because the first time you talk to them, you're stumbling on yourself. You're not saying what you need to say right Uh, just like just like when we first talked it was like you're like huh what are you talking about and uh (laughs) and then you learn as you talk to people like you you i i start to develop these little chunks of um of stuff that i know registers with people i start to learn about like how accountants are always talking about cpe credits right and like and like how uh, financial advisors are always talking about like are they an lpl or a an ira and all these different you learn all these terms that like Make you feel jargon
1: inside the inside, right? Make you, yeah. And and then I start
0: saying those things, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I get that. And um, I don't know, I just that part of it I really enjoy. Um,
1: that's great, yeah. yeah, No, I love, I love engaging and meeting new people. I think you know, it doesn't matter what the medium is. Um, and I think it's amazing that you can meet people that you would never normally have met in the past because of the internet.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then the other cool thing is like, so I'm always encouraging people to start a podcast and they're like, they, they, the, there's always these uh, initial like things like, how am I going to get subscribers? There's already a million podcasts. Right. I'm, like, no. I'm like, no, like, just like, just like the conversation we're having. It's like, I'm going to be able to give you something. Like I can give you clips for social media. I can like, I can do something tangible for you. Right. I'm also learning a bunch from you uh, professionally. And then, uh, then we're also kind of creating a relationship and it's like a totally, uh, non-threatening way to get to know somebody.
1: Yeah. It's just recording. Basically you're saying, Hey, instead of, uh, maybe one way to tell people is, Hey, don't create podcasts. Um, why don't you just start recording, uh, all the 30 minute conversations you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Many, all of us have so many 30 conversations, and how many of those have so many good nuggets in them? That they, right. they, you know, that should be shared. So that's, you know, that's what's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in fact, a lot of it is like, I'm trying to dispel what a podcast even is, because like it's a loaded right. word. So a lot of firms, like I know you do a bunch of webinars, um, workshops, a lot of these, these companies are already doing that. But they use them as like these one-off events. They're right. only inviting their local group when they could be taking those things and just like distributing them and putting them on YouTube. I mean, it takes some, it takes a little bit of process and some, you know, post-production skills and stuff like that, but there's just so many like cool opportunities to, to go virtual. And, um, anyway, um, so, you know, quick, we were, we were talking about practitioners and entrepreneurs. So like when you, when you come up against one or the other, like, do you think differently? Like when you're, when you're dealing with them or, um, or do you kind of take the same approach? Like it, I guess what I'm wondering is like, is that part of your thought process? Do you say, oh, this guy's kind of just loves what he does, or this guy's really an entrepreneur, and I have to kind of treat them a little bit differently? Or you like like, a...
1: like in my coaching services and things? Yeah, like that, yeah, talking about? yeah. Um, most of the people that I coach, um, I, I would I would most of the time they would fall into the uh, firm owner service provider identity. I see. And and they're needing to shift into the entrepreneur identity in order to really grow their business because that's what they want. Um, otherwise, if their goal is – is there, if their goal and they're super happy in the identity of being a service provider and that's what they want to be and the idea of being an entrepreneur is really scary or not exciting to them, then there is there's no reason to change that identity for them um, because you can always find team members and future team members that can play that role. Right. For for their business. So I often tell, you know, service providers, if you love providing the actual client service, if you love being in front of the client, engaging the client regularly and actually doing the work for them, then eventually you're going to if depending on how big you get, you're going to have to find a CEO. And it is okay to say you're not CEO. You can own the whole thing and not be called CEO. That's totally fine.
0: So. I think there's a, like, oh, yeah. there's something, there's like a maturity there, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I think that's, I think that's a cool, like, I've, I've very much realized some of, like, right now I have to play all roles, but like, I love like the big picture thinking and like, but I have a hard, like, I have to really be diligent to execute regularly mm-hmm. and like, just get everything done. Um, so it's, I think it's, I think it's, it empowers people to really be honest with kind of like what their skills are. Because then you can, if you need to, you can actually compensate, right, for some short period of time, right. Because if you, if, if you at least don't like acknowledge it, then you like if you if like if I walked around talking about how I'm the best executor <laughs> in the world, then I would then I would always be floundering on it because I would I wouldn't be honest with myself, so I would I wouldn't even be able to like notice that I can't do it as well and just focus <laughs> on it.
1: Yeah, people pick up on that stuff pretty quickly. When yeah. when you don't ex- when you just don't execute, right? <laughs> They're going, uh, what's going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so and uh, another cool thing that we were talking about when we were talking personally was just like, you know, out and we were talking about this a bit in the beginning as well, but like outbound versus like marketing and, and building a brand. Mm-hmm. So like I know you talked a lot about the beginning, I think it was in Reconciled where you did a, a lot of outbound. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you balance the two? because I know you do believe in marketing and brand. Um, how, how do you go about thinking about those when you're, I guess, for Reconciled specifically, and then how, how you're starting to um, you know, help somebody else, like whether they're like making content or blogs or doing outreach, cold emails, like what, how do you get somebody going?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it, I think it also depends on where, what stage your industry's in. The accounting industry uh, has traditionally been uh, a very low marketing sales based industry. It's very much relationships, word of mouth, uh, who do you trust who, do, who does your friend trust? So it's really understanding the buyer journey and how they find um, how do they current most people find their that service professional. so it depends on what industry you're in. So if you're in an industry where it's really uh, matured and people actually search online, uh, dramatically or almost consistently first for that provider. I think that's one thing. If it's still a, a an industry that's a little slower to move and you're finding that people through referrals, relationships, trust, then you want to think about, well, where along that journey can I meet and how can I get in front of the customer? Um, so, you know, email marketing is an example. Email marketing has not been used in the accounting industry that long. Um, there's not many firms that do it well, or do it, and and I'm not talking about like a weekly newsletter. I'm talking about actual, straight up what SaaS companies have done for a long time. Straight up email, cold email marketing, getting in front of their customers, booking, getting booked appointments. That's not that's not a common thing in the in the accounting industry until probably the past few years where you're seeing more and more firms do it.
0: You know, and, and um, I, I, you know, where I, you know where I do see a lot of that cold stuff is like on LinkedIn. I get a lot of those, um, and usually they're not really done that well. No, Um, no, they're
1: not, you know, there's LinkedIn, there's just straight up emails. Um, And and again, accounting firms are generally not um, in that space. You know, most accounting firms are not in that space for, for every one accounting firm you see do that. There's 10, 20, 30,000 accounting firms still doing just word of mouth, not even touching email. And so it really depends on what your buyer journey is, where your buyer's looking generally, because... All your all those buyers aren't going to just suddenly suddenly shift behavior, right? Unless unless other trusted services around your services are also the buying behavior changes around them. So no different than finding an attorney, a business attorney. Um, most people that I know, and even including myself, uh, looking for a business attorney, it's not. I don't actually start on Google. You know, I I I find out well who do I bank with first, or who is my CPA? I'm going to ask them, or who is a fellow business a business owner, I'm going to ask them, who's your attorney? Whoever you say it is, I will contact and trust. You know, it's just right. this, it's this reinforcement. And I almost always never look on the line to reinforce that trust for that, that thing. And so it's very interesting. Um, yeah, buyer- I, I
0: probably wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't look either. In fact, like I, I know a couple of lawyers I would contact, but what I would say though, is that I have come across people online and I've, I've run across their content. hmm and I've become aware of them that way. Yep. And I would reach out to that person, uh, if I saw enough of what they were talking about, and um, and and I had seen them long enough, um, because and, I I might be a little bit different because I just I live online, and so that's kind of how I think. But I think that that that's a growing population of people that, yeah, that, uh, do that.
1: It, yeah, and, it's growing. It's growing. I just still don't think it's the majority of buyers right I, it, I think it's growing and if that's your if that's the market you want to enter into is you want to capture those that market of people that are they've changed their buying behavior um, to do that but if you're if you're in it uh, if you're again in an industry or an area where most of the people you want to sell to haven't shifted that buying behavior then you're also missing a large part of the market that's still buying traditionally and so how do you reach them you know how do you here's a
0: yeah. Here's an interesting question, though. Is like, so all of us are online. So is it possible that it's like a chicken and the egg thing, where it's like maybe the maybe the buyer uh, behavior hasn't changed simply because this market hasn't aggressively taken advantage of the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one that's one possibility. I would I would agree. I would agree with that. Is is, and again, it goes to the mentality of the who's in the professions of that service industry, right? And accountants generally, you know, the accounting industry is an older industry. It's dominated by old, old white got men that are almost retiring in retirement or in, you know, or have retired um, and have not, you know, most are not even on the cloud-based, internet-based software tools. So you're talking about an industry, the age of the industry as well. Yeah, who's running who are the leaders, who are the owners of those industries, You know, law firms are probably the the, very close to the same thing. Um, As transition happens, then you'll start seeing a shift in that marketing and sales behavior, and therefore the buying behavior. Right at the same time, Um, I completely agree with you. I think there are. I think it's kind of this. It is just chicken and the egg of which side is going to change the behavior first. Right. And, uh, and, and how you, how do you do that?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause I, cause I do see, uh, I've been, uh, I've been using TikTok a little bit just to kind of see what's going on over there. And there's a bunch of like lawyers, yep. especially, especially lawyers that I've seen, uh, going on there and doing like little quick, like 30 second videos. Um, I only thought about that right now. I haven't seen any like CPAs, but very specifically lawyers I've seen a lot on mm-hmm. there, um, which I think is. Uh, Interesting. And the other thing too, like at least a tip, like from the other side. So I get added to a lot of like accounting newsletters that I never signed up for. But what's interesting about them is like, every time I get one, I'm like, I would never read this, even if I signed (laughs) up for it, because it's just like a list of like, stuff, stuff that I hire someone to do. Like, I don't like, I specifically do not want to know <laughs> anything about this stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so what I've been telling like, like these guys is like, Hey, it's like, you're doing you um, you're in business. So I was talking to another, um, a really cool, uh, lady earlier and, you know, she does like EOS, the mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurial operating system. Uh, she does like PI, uh, like, per, like for, um, personality tests. I was like, man, talk, you could be talking about some of this stuff. Like how and like you, I know you talk. You talk to firms about how to scale their business. It's like people can become aware of your services through a different channel. Right. So you can like you can be out there doing content marketing, doing social media on these entrepreneurial things, and it will suck in people and pull them towards your services because they're like, man, oh, if he built this business, he obviously knows how to do money and manage it. And um, I was talking to another financial advisor about that too. You know, he uh it's like he uh like works two days a week i was like whoa that's pretty cool like how did you do that yeah like tell me about that story and then then i can get into like how you obviously know how to do the the money stuff so well cool man so um so we've had we've talked about a bunch of things so like i know you run three different businesses like more specifically like what what do each of them do and and uh how can people get a hold of you
1: yeah, yeah. So the best way is you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search Michael Lee, spelled L-Y, um, and uh, feel free to reach out to me, connect, and, and uh, he, he
0: will. He, and he will respond.
1: Yeah, I will respond. And you know that's how Stephen found me, and uh, or you can look on Twitter as well um, at at Michael underscore L-Y underscore and uh, and um, you know the the thing with um, uh, with social media, I think in, in reaching out is I'm always willing and able and ready and and excited to meet people and 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 to engage and talk with people and have a conversation and um and so you uh, know yeah on that
0: point man that was one of the things that kind of blew me away with you is like you booked the call you were on time you spent a bunch of time with me like you really you really engaged gave me a bunch of feedback i thought it was it really kind of blew me away so I, i i i'm just Confirming what you're saying, and I appreciate That's
1: it. That's great. No, definitely great. Well, yeah, definitely reach out, and uh, if you're interested in talking about entrepreneurship and talking about building a, a services firm, uh, if you're talking about accounting, whatever it is, I'm I'm up I'm up for it. Food, whatever, <laughs> I'm up for
0: it. Yeah, cool, man. And I, I'll uh, I'll link to your stuff as well. Great. So. Awesome. Well, again, man, this has been awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing our discussions. I think we've we've had a good rapport and um, I'm hoping to help you out in the future as well. So uh, again, thanks for being on and I appreciate it.
1: Great, thanks, Steve. All
0: right, man, I'll see ya.